Hello there, and greetings to you. Welcome to Duel of the Takes, the movie and pop culture podcast that pins the wildest, most unpopular opinions head to head. This week's topic of debate is a bracket-style challenge to determine the greatest, highest-grossing movie of the year from the last 32 years of cinema history. My name's Nathaniel Martin, and I'm joined by my regular co-hosts, Joshua Kubis, Alden Mason, and Jory Boston. Let the games begin. Today, we're going to be doing another uh, madness bracket, if you will. This time, it's for the highest grossing movie of each year. So the biggest uh, box office turnout domestically in the United States over the past 32 years are going head to head. Um, yeah, so I, I've seen all these movies over the course of my lifetime. I feel like they're kind of just staples. Like, I don't know, the, the, a lot of them are the biggest movies of their year. So a lot of the years I was alive, I definitely saw them in theaters. And a lot of them my parents had on VHS or DVD. Anyone have to do any crazy catching up? I watched uh, one, two, three, four, four or five movies in preparation for this the past three days. It was uh, it was fun. I uh, I enjoyed watching some of these. I feel like it's a good way to just kind of, I guess, recap film history the past 30 some odd years. 32 to be precise. I watched none of these movies in preparation and instead opted to watch Days of Future Past twice. <laughs> so who hurt were, you there were in one sitting he watched it twice yes exactly <laughs> there are a couple of gaps in my thing here but i've seen most of these cool well we're gonna start off with uh the main the main attraction we've got we've got rain man up against fatal attraction i really like both of these movies I love both of these movies and i think they both represent blockbuster time of year i guess the summer movie is missing now in terms of it's not not a superhero movie yeah it's not cape shit we just don't have movies like that anymore at least not good ones i wasn't around when both of these movies came out but i feel like fatal attraction was one of those movies that like you talk to your coworkers about at work and like oh you got to see this movie because this happens this happens it's such crazy shit like um it's just a really well-written uh slowly paced thriller that i thoroughly enjoyed and then you look at Rain Man, which Dustin Hoffman won an Academy Award for it, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman, Tom Cruise, very, very early into Tom Cruise's career and a, a start of a great career. Yeah, I really I really don't know what to pick when it comes to these two. Yeah, I really vibe with uh, Rain Man. I, I think it was like a great way to take Tom Cruise into becoming a, a kind of serious, well-recognized actor. Before this, he had done a couple you know, teen comedies, things like that. Like Risky Business was his biggest movie up until this point. Maybe Top Gun had come out, but this is when I think people were like, oh my God, like Tom Cruise can hold his, he'll hold himself against an acting great like Dustin Hoffman. So you mentioned to me before we recorded this, is there a movie though with Michael Douglas that you said is kind of similar to Fatal Attraction? Uh, Yeah, so uh, Basic Instinct is a very similar sexual thriller kind of vibe like Fatal Attraction. It's got that like slow burn mentality, um, but it, it's it's very different. It's less domestic and it's more like he's the detective trying to figure it out. Uh, but I actually because I was I, I was going to ask, do you think that's better than I Fatal do Attraction? think it's better? Mm -hmm. I think Fatal Attraction is kind of cheesy when you like break it down like it, it it's it's great because if you suspend your disbelief, you can enjoy the movie. 
But if you start thinking about how things work, and you're like, wait a second, she like attacked the wife in the bathtub. Like this is just a shit show. Like what the hell is going on here? It doesn't really yeah. hold up. And you're like, this is just a really like crazy stalker scenario that would be shut down in one phone call in real life. I feel like between both of these movies, Fatal Attraction has definitely been aped a lot, a lot, a lot more. I remember during a period of about like a year when I was working at a movie theater, there were like three movies that came out that were Fatal Attraction. And it's just wild. It definitely has a yeah, I mean, a cultural impact when it comes to that kind of genre. Definitely, I think it spawned like that whole subgenre of those those sexual, uh, you know, thrillers. Those those movies with a very adult audience in mind, but really they're they're just glorified action movies with drama at the forefront. Yeah, I mean, but Rain Man is my favorite X Men. <laughs> Is Rain Man a superhero movie? I think it is. He has a genetic mutation, and he uses it to cheat at cards. We bring up autism, and I actually asked a friend of mine who is autistic that, is this a good representation of autism? And he said, it's all right. They they treat that he can, like, do all that quick maths as, like, a superpower, and he kind of finds that a little offensive. But other than that, it, it explains autism and it portrays autism very well especially at a time where like not a lot of people understood autism where they kind of put in the same category as uh and i think it like gave uh people a different perspective when it comes to autism so i think even with the glaring flaws of the autism itself in the movie i think it had a positive impact on people thinking of autism i've seen rain man so i'm gonna go with rain man all right rain man is is moving on due to the flaws in autism up next we got a 90s throwback round we got independence day up against armageddon oh boy these are two very similar movies very similar i've thought about this for a while today and you've just been pondering on this question i really like the cast in both of the movies and i think it just comes down to which cast I think had better chemistry. I think overall, Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis at the end, I felt more of a uh, connection between those two characters than just Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum making jokes as they're flying out of that alien What about craft. President Bill Paxton? <laughs> or Randy Quaid? Like, come on, you're sleeping on the supporting cast of Independence Day right now. I feel like between the two, I would say Independence Day has the better cast. Independence Day was all about the the big explosions it was a dumb dumb action yeah. movie it's not about the performances and that's why i think they cast who they cast yeah. yeah you know it was one of will smith's first movies you know it was oh yeah let's get that guy that everyone likes from christmas vacation to just play some fucking yeehaw shoot down the aliens <laughs> guy like they didn't give a shit once every couple of years if i'm like flipping through the channels it's fourth of july I might sit and watch Independence Day for a while. Like, it's just, it's such an easy watch. This doesn't mean anything, but has anyone seen Independence Day Resurgence? <laughs> I haven't. I have. Did you like it? It absolutely sucks. I worked at the movie theater when it came in, and I absolutely did not see it. <laughs> Jory, did your movie theater give out, like, just tons of random-ass fan memorabilia for <laughs> Independence Day Resurgence? <laughs> Week one was the buttons. Week two, we gave out posters. And week three, we gave out t-shirts to anyone who paid to see the movie. Yeah, no, we didn't do anything like that. Armageddon sucks. 
but I like watching it. Same. I get that from both of these movies. I actually enjoy an Independence Day. Like, I can watch it every year, whereas Armageddon, I'd be fine if I never saw it again. I think Independence Day definitely has more uh, quotable and iconic scenes in that. Like, the whole president's speech that is still quoted uh, all the time. Dude, what if Trump just fucking says that in the next press conference? You know... Honestly, if he says just we will not go quietly into the night, everyone's going to lose it. Elon Musk is behind him. Are we, are we cool with Independence Day? Yeah. yeah. Sounds like it. You know, it's really nice to have such a, a, a non-passionate debate with you guys after <laughs> after that Pixar video. Hold that thought. Look what's coming next. Josh, that's why I said it now. <laughs> uh, up next, we've got um... Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone up against Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. There's another Lord of the Rings movie that is on this bracket that I think will go much farther than this film. The original Harry Potter, the Sorcerer's Stone, the Philosopher's Stone, whatever you want to call it, I think was a great introduction to these characters. We're talking about three 10-year-old actors, three child actors. And two of them were good. <laughs> leave leave him, leave Ron alone. <laughs> oh, I wasn't talking about Rupert Grant. <laughs> I think he's talking about Emma Watson. What's wrong with Emma Watson? I actually really like Hermione in the Earth. I'm just busting your chops. Keep going. I really like the creativity of the movie. They're able to bring um, J.K. Rowling's vision to life. You could tell this is exactly what she wanted. I agree with Josh. However, I think that the biggest triumph in The Sorcerer's Stone isn't the introduction of the cast. I think it's the introduction of the world of Harry Potter. Because... Honestly, if Sorcerer's Stone didn't do well, we Harry Potter would not be where it is. It would have gone the way of Narnia. But they were at book four when the first movie came out, if I'm not mistaken, right? So Gob- Goblet of Fire was just published, and then the Stone movie came out, right? For a lot of people, this was kind of their generation's uh, Star Wars. This is like a franchise they followed uh, growing up from maybe they saw Harry Potter when they were like five years old and then they saw Deathly Hallows uh, however many years later. So I think this was the start of a series that means a lot to but a lot This is of one of the only like first movies in a franchise that we have on the list. Almost everything else is a sequel of some sort, including The Two Towers, which I'm not going to discount at all. I think Two Towers is amazing, but I think as far as what it did for Lord of the Rings is much less than what Sorcerer's Stone does for Harry Potter. I do kind of lump the Lord of the Rings trilogy as like one large movie, um, just due to the fact that they were all filmed at the same time. Like the consistency between those three movies is greater than any other film trilogy ever. Absolutely. Two Towers is just my favorite part of that story, um, hands down. I think it's got some of the most iconic scenes um, that people often associate with Lord of the Rings. I mean, we were talking about it earlier today, but that fight at Helm's Deep is probably the biggest yo in the entire trilogy. <laughs> when Legolas takes that shield and he, like, surfs down the steps. I think that her writing is still better for novels than it is for movies. And I think directors really carried the Harry Potter franchise. And I think better people came along and did the Harry Potter lore better than Chris Columbus. And I also think watching Sorcerer's Stone in 2020 is kind of disappointing because so many things you love about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer or Harry Potter in general are not in Sorcerer's Stone. It feels very like remedial in comparison to where the franchise goes. I think I disagree on that one. 
Yeah, I would argue that because I was just at Universal Studios back in uh, January and I went to Diagon Alley and like everything that I was thinking of, like all the references, most of them were from Sorcerer's Stone. I think Sorcerer's Stone is what I think of when I think Harry Potter lore. Every other entry in the series kind of like adds their own stuff, but I don't think that anything has the huge groundbreaking impact that Sorcerer's Stone has. And maybe it is just because it's the original but it has our introduction to Hogwarts, the houses, Diagon Alley, the way that wands work. Everything in the world is set up in Sorcerer's Stone and then is kind of just added to in every other movie. I, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Sorcerer's Stone, probably because I've seen it at least 16 times, whereas some of the other movies I've only seen once. And it and it has the most Hagrid screen time, and he is one of the best characters in that franchise. I agree. So... Because Hagrid and his amazing beard show up the most in Sorcerer's Stone, I think Sorcerer's Stone is beating the two towers. All right, so we've got Pirates, Dead Man's Chest up against the Dark Knight. I hope that was Josh cracking open another cold one because I know he's got a hot take here. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Josh is about to pull a me. Both these movies are sequels. Okay. The Dark Knight, great film. I love that movie. But Dead Man's Chest was kind of the start where like, okay, Curse of the Black Pearl, really good movie, great movie. But then Dead Man's Chest was like, okay, this can actually be a franchise where it's on par with a superhero movie or a Lord of the Rings movie where though where they were able to turn this ride that Walt Disney made into an actual film franchise, I think is really, really impressive. And it you took an actor from Johnny Depp who was really famous in the 90s doing all these great uh, Oscar worthy performances to where he's now a big blockbuster star I think from that perspective you got to give Dead Man's Chest a lot of credit I like Dark Knight more let me just put that out there right now but let me play devil's advocate a little bit and help Josh out here I think that the biggest argument that you can make for Dead Man's Chest as a Pirates of the Caribbean movie and is for it as a blockbuster beating the Dark Knight in a list like this is that this is really the beginning of where we see Pirates lore start to take shape, whereas Curse of the Black Pearl is its own self-contained story for the most part, and they do talk about stuff outside of what's going on in the story and happening in the world. The biggest problem I have with letting Dead Man's Chest just walk over the Dark Knight is that The Dark Knight, we've already determined, is the best superhero movie. And while I think you made a good point on the fact that, you know, Disney proved with Dead Man's Chest that they could take a successful movie, turn it into a franchise, and compete against other blockbusters and, you know, other popular movie trends. And I think that's very valid. And I think Dead Man's Chest is certainly a more financially viable movie than Black Pearl, but it is not a better movie. And I also think there's a better Pirates movie on this list. And I think The Dark Knight is hands down the best of its trilogy without dispute. And I think there's you could make a case that all three Pirates movies are great in their own way. But I think the popular opinion would be that Dead, Man, Dead Man's Chest is not the best of the trilogy. Personally, this is just me, but I prefer every single movie in the Dark Knight trilogy to every single movie in the Pirates trilogy. I've been holding it back. You haven't watched those movies since you were like four years old. That's not true. I watched Curse of the Black Pearl the other day. That's the best one. Hell yeah. Wait, you think Batman Begins is better than Curse of the Black Pearl? 
Yeah. Uh, shit take. Well, we're not talking about uh, Curse of the Black Pearl versus Batman Begins here. We're talking about Dead Man's Chest up against the Dark Knight. You talk about like the innovations into CGI characters like Jar Jar Binks and Gollum. I feel like Davy Jones was a huge step in that. And I recently rewatched those movies. We re rewatched them last year. To me, Davy Jones still looks great. Yes. I I do agree with that. They they don't really try to hide that Gollum is made out of CGI. They just kind of shoot him from all angles. But I feel they are a lot more strategic with the way that they kind of pointed the camera, so to speak, at Davy Jones. Is it's either a head-on shot or it's like behind him or to a, a profile. I They're... I disagree. There's some close-ups of him. Maybe it's more in At World's End, and I'm just combining the films. But I guess we'll talk yeah, about it. Yeah, but there's no like there's no like crane shot from you know 25 feet above where you see all three dimensions of this character like Gollum. Gollum they really thought they had something amazing and it doesn't age very well. That's true. Uh, the practical effects of the Dark Knight are crazy. Yeah they're great. And anyway that's why uh, Dark Knight moves on. <laughs> Alright. Josh are you ready for another heavy round? Oh god. God damn it. We've got Terminator 2 Judgment Day up against Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade having the t-800 show up in the movie and he's the hero now after he's like one of the best movie antagonists of the 1980s and now it's the early 90s and he's the the protagonist that's crazy like that was such a swerve back then and indiana jones doesn't uh, last crusade rather doesn't really do anything like that other than oh they got sean connery to play his dad oh that's well, i'd argue the chemistry between sean connery and harrison ford is a lot more entertaining than the chemistry between arnold schwarzenegger and whatever that kid's name was john connor well no the actor's name i don't know the actor's oh name. who cares what last crusade has that t2 doesn't for me is the rewatchability i feel like i could rewatch last crusade a lot more frequently than i can with t2 and maybe that's the fault of the entire Terminator franchise as a whole, where Indiana Jones feels like a complete trilogy. You don't. It does not feel like a complete trilogy. Maybe, maybe not to you. I like Temple of Doom, but that's not the movie we're talking about. I, I also I enjoy Temple of Doom, but what's the proper order of watching this trilogy? Do you watch the original movie? Then Whatever it's you want. Then it's Whatever you want. No, when these movies were released, at least with Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, there's a direct way to watch them because they're named well, 1 and watch, 2. And with Indiana Jones, you're going to watch Rise of the Machines? No, because it sucks. Do you know what doesn't suck? It's the third Indiana Jones movie, a great trilogy. But are we talking about franchises here or are we talking about... I'm just saying Last Crusade. Because if we're talking about singular movies, Terminator wait, wait. 2 there's, is there's the There are so many Terminator, Terminator 3s now that have tried to like change what terminator 2 is it's such a clusterfuck at least like with last crusade you have them riding off into the sunset and it's such a fitting conclusion to that trilogy while t2 is like a great action movie but when it comes to the overall arc of these characters it it's meaningless i think that we are i think that we're losing sight of what we're supposed to be talking about here I think that we should be talking about Terminator 2 by itself without its franchise and Indiana Jones Last Crusade by itself without its franchise. And I still haven't seen Last Crusade, but based on what Josh is saying, it seems like a fitting conclusion for those characters. And I think Terminator 2's ending, from what I remember of it, is more of an open-ended affair where they they avoid Judgment Day at the end of Terminator 2, right? Yes. 
okay, so yeah, never mind. Then they do just save the day. Until until Terminator 3 and Terminator Salvation. Like, that ending has... Until Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Guys, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying just these movies. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull doesn't affect Last Crusade whatsoever. Every single Terminator sequel affects the ending of Terminator 2. All right, Alden, you've seen both of these movies, right? What's your take? I'm just going to say Terminator. I don't I don't have an argument, but I would prefer to have Terminator move on. Have you seen uh, both? Yeah, but it's been a long time since I've seen Last Crusade and I don't remember too much of it. Dude, okay, when people think of Indiana Jones, what do they think of? They think of the fedora, they think of the whip, they think of being in a desert and going through an adventure and solving a puzzle. Okay, Nate, but you say that, but then let me ask you right now. What's your personal favorite Indiana Jones movie? Yeah, my personal favorite Indiana Jones movie is The Last Crusade. And a lot of people, I think, agree with you. The fact that I can confidently say that Judgment is better than The Last Crusade, and it's my favorite Indiana Jones movie, says a lot to how much better Terminator 2 Judgment Day is than Last Crusade. For what it's worth, I had not seen any of these three movies, and when I saw Raiders for school... I kept quoting the uh, It Belongs in a Museum line that I then learned was from Last Crusade. And that was all I knew about Indiana Jones. (laughs) All right. So it sounds like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Well, no, because it's two votes against one. Alden saw both of them and he also voted for Terminator. He also doesn't remember anything. I'm not voting for Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) Alden still voted for T2. So so T2 should fairly move on. How come I'm the dispassionate one in this video. <laughs> that's not my archetype that's been established. I think you've seen the least amount of movies again. Because Mace actually did his homework. Up next, we've got Die Hard with a Vengeance up against Mission Impossible 2. All I'm going to say is that I haven't seen Mission Impossible 2, but I doubt that there's anything in it as entertaining as Bruce Willis standing on that street corner. <laughs> with that sign. <laughs> Die Hard with a Vengeance is the second best Die Hard movie and also one of the greatest action movies of the 1990s. Die Hard wins. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so up here we've got Deathly Hollows, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows 2 up against The Avengers. Two surprisingly similar movies. Kind of, yeah. My vote would go towards Avengers while I enjoyed Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. I just don't think it's the... Do you want to talk a little bit faster? Are you okay? (laughs) I like... Here, I'm going to take over while Josh organizes his thoughts. Well, Deathly Hallows Part 2 is a conclusion to everything that Harry Potter was and stood for, and that in its own right is impressive that it made it here. The Avengers in its own way was also the beginning of a big franchise because while it was a sequel to... Thor and Captain America and Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk and all of those movies. I do consider the Avengers series to almost be completely separate of all of those. I honestly can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Deathly Hollows Part 2 needs to move on here. For all the things that you were saying about, you know, setting up these characters and setting up this world with Sorcerer's Stone, they did a very, very good job of concluding these characters and concluding these wars as, or these um this world as well i mean they even do the time jump ahead and show these characters have gotten sending their own kids off into hogwarts which might be problematic to some but for me i was like great i never need to care about this lore again they put a nice little bow on it i didn't like the last three movies that much but hey it's done i don't need to think about it ever again 
Deathly Hollows Part Two was the end of an era, whereas the Avengers is not the peak of the new era, in my opinion. You know what? I felt like I had to make the argument for Avengers because it was the popular pick, but Nate has sold me. Now I'm going full tilt Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Coming into this, I was leaning more towards Avengers uh, just because of the franchise that kind of got built on top of it. Um, But yeah, Deathly Hallows being as good a conclusion as it is, is great. So I'm fine with that moving forward. Up next, we've got Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, up against Captain America Civil War. I watched it yesterday. Force Awakens is just way better, in my opinion. Star Wars The Force Awakens probably had one of the biggest hype cycles that we'll ever see this generation. Yeah, why are we even talking about this? Force Awakens wins. Aladdin up against The Lion King. These are both the originals, not the remakes that came out last year. These are the originals. Before we even start, who's going with what? Aladdin. I'm also going with Aladdin. I'm on Lion King. I'm also on Lion King's side. Oh, boy. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't The Lion King thrown to a B team? And there was actually another movie at the time that was coming out that didn't perform as well? Yeah, the team got so passionate after they suggested the idea of blending modern disney animation with shakespeare that it became the a-team focus it wasn't like the b-team worked exclusively on it i just don't think the lion king ever really did it for me the songs like when i was a kid i remember really liking hakuna matata and i remember really liking the part of the movie where simba was growing up with timon and pumbaa and just eating bugs and stuff but like the rest of it i kind of didn't give a shit when i was a kid and I didn't really like Aladdin that much when I saw it when I was a kid either. But between both of those movies, rewatching them as I've become older, I feel like Aladdin has grown on me a lot more than The Lion King has. And a lot of the songs in Aladdin I appreciate more as an adult than the songs in The Lion King. These movies were on this list because of their financial circumstance. And I think The Lion King does a much better job of creating... Uh, supporting characters that were interesting enough for their own spinoff movie and then eventually their own TV show. Whereas like Aladdin, it was all centered around Aladdin and Genie and Jasmine. You needed the three main characters to go anywhere with this franchise after. And Lion King has so many awesome characters in it, specifically Timon and Pumbaa. But you also have this this, uh, Lion Kingdom, you have Zazu, you have Rafiki. You know, it's like... It was the Avengers of its time is what I'm trying to say. I think the message drives home more for me when we know that I don't give a shit about my, the environment. I throw away my batteries every day. So like the circle of life, who gives a shit? <laughs> I'm not really a fan of Lion King. But you like Lion King one and a half. But Alden also says that he likes one and a half more than the original. Way more than the original. I don't care for the story of Lion King. I never have. I've never been a fan of Lion King. Like You hate Shakespeare? You hate Hamlet? I don't even I don't even care for Hamlet. It's not my favorite Shakespeare. I have to agree with that one. As someone who played Hamlet in Hamlet, I agree. How do you hate Lion King but then have a sequel to it in your five then you must like the character josh let me explain it's because timon and pumbaa are good characters that are featured in the lion king but they're not really the focus but in one and a half they are the focus it's a movie about your favorite characters from that movie that you kind of weren't a fan of 
if Be Prepared wasn't in the movie, I think I'd like it a lot more. What the fuck? I don't like Be Prepared. I'm sorry, Josh. What's your favorite scene in each of these movies, Jory and Josh? Whenever I think of Aladdin, I always think of the Prince Ali Ababwa sequence and the Whole New World sequence, as well as the whole ending where Jasmine is trapped in the hourglass. I remember thinking that that was really, like, that gave me anxiety when I was a kid. I was like, oh my god, she's gonna be buried alive. <laughs> And they're all going to watch her. I don't know. When I think of Lion King, I think of the opening sequence. I think that's one of the best opening sequences in any movie, really. I think it's really iconic. Do we want to have Alyssa as a tiebreaker since it seems like we're not going to get anywhere? Hey, Alyssa. Lion King or Aladdin? She likes Aladdin better. Hang on. I'm going to ask my girlfriend. Be right back. Hang on. Let me ask my girl. Oh, fuck. Oh no, Josh, just ask somebody off of Tinder real quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's my first DM. All right, Megan also said Aladdin. Aladdin's moving on. All right, we've got Titanic up against Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. This is preference, I guess. But I want to say... I want to say a Phantom Menace. All right, this is coming from a man that runs a fucking Star Wars page, and I don't think this should be even be a conversation, Titanic. I was going to say, I think between both of these movies, it's hard to say that Titanic is not the winner here. Just when we're speaking about the most financially successful movies list. I like Phantom Menace. Even that being said, I don't think it holds, uh, you know, a grain of salt to the, the pyramid that is Titanic. I mean, it was a Goliath for a long time until James Cameron just went another one. Titanic is king of the world. Up next, we got Lord of the Rings Return of the King up against Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I'm not even... Return of the King's moving on. Josh, you really don't want to make an argument for your favorite Harry Potter movie? Yeah, this is my favorite Harry Potter movie. Well, it's just the weakest of the three Harry Potter movies on this list, so... I I agree with Nate. (laughs) I agree, it's still my favorite, though. Return of the King's moving on, Nate. Josh is a mean drunk. Okay, we got Pirates at World's End over Avatar. Is it a hot take to say Avatar? Well, actually, you know what? Avatar kind of sucks. But I kind of didn't like At World's End either. I think Avatar has very little rewatchability to it. I think the gimmick of Avatar was that you had to see it in IMAX. I did not see it in IMAX. I saw it when it came on digital or whatever and thought it was okay. And I think that's the problem with Avatar, where it's one of those movies that everybody talks about where you need to see it in theaters and i think beyond that it's an all right sci-fi movie where i don't see a lot of uh, longevity in it does james cameron still think 3d tvs are the future i think that avatar is a better movie because a character named papa dragon i disagree with that totally is my there's so there's Josh's like so kidneys? many more iconic characters in that world's end than i can't even Josh, think I, of Josh, them. i wasn't serious yeah he was being facetious dude chill yeah no i'm not gonna fight for avatar pirates at world's end is moving on all right up next we got ghost versus jurassic park all right hold on i'm gonna grab another claw oh my god <sighs> josh is gonna die is my series damaging josh's kidneys no josh is damaging josh's kidneys no but i'm gonna say jurassic park ghost made a lot of money though was because of the a-list actors and i think ghost comes from a time where Actors made money, and I feel like we're not in that era anymore. Ghost is also a critical success in terms of it was nominated for like four Academy Awards, 
Really? Whoopi Goldberg won for Supporting Actress, and it was nominated for Best Picture that year. Wow. Whoopi Goldberg won four Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress awards. Yeah, she was the Octavia Spencer of her day. <laughs> nice. Jurassic Park was the first movie that like made me scared. I wasn't really like watching horror movies when I was a little kid. And I think I saw Jurassic Park for the first time when I was like six or seven. I knew more names of dinosaurs as a four-year-old than I do now as a grown man. My, my dad was like, you know, you love dinosaurs. You're going to love Jurassic Park. This is going to be great. Showed me the movie and Newman's arm gets bitten off by a fucking velociraptor. <laughs> and I had to sleep in my parents' bedroom. That's exactly what happened to me. There was really a push for us to get educated with fossils and shit because we grew up in a post jurassic park world i did not grow up with jurassic park i grew up with jurassic park 3 that explains a lot <laughs> i saw jurassic park for the first time when they re-released it in imax and i loved it jurassic park is moving on we got shrek 2 versus toy story 3 all right guys let's all say it together three two one shrek 2 toy story 3 no, it's shrek 2 stop i'm on Nate's side here oh wait i was completely fucking joking shrek 2 shrek 2 is moving on all right we got frozen up against transformers age of extinction i don't like either of these movies but it's gonna be frozen right the only thing i could really say for transformers is that the dinobots look cool that's all i got i rewatched frozen not too long ago i think right around christmas time I forgot how many, um, you know, like, darker tones that that movie really has. If Pocahontas were made today and they took it as serious as they took Frozen, that shit would be dark. Like, women would learn a lot, bro. <laughs> what a way to put that. The last fight of the first round is Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi up against Avengers Endgame. All right, if we're talking about crowd-pleasing films... I feel like there's no doubt that it's Endgame. Yeah, I think the whole reason Solo did bad was because Last Jedi. Was, I don't think that was the big hindrance with Solo. I think it was attention. I think releasing it a month after Infinity War was a bad idea. I think it was both, but I also think that The Last Jedi's reception affected it a lot more. It came out the week in between Infinity War and Deadpool 2. It came out the worst fucking weekend possible josh please stop yelling we can hear you well no we're talking about star wars now and we're talking about the last jedi i didn't think i had to talk about this movie again so what side are you on i don't know all right okay um, Gollum. last jedi it's a better movie it just sucks for the star wars universe whereas endgame is one of the best movies for the mcu i don't even know what to say on that one i think endgame was a very nice conclusion but at the same time it wasn't a conclusion to fucking anything because the mcu is still going on i think that the last jedi is only going to get more appreciation as time goes on because out of the sequel trilogy it's the only one that really stands on its own however it stands on its own as a direct detraction from the other two it pushes the other two movies in its trilogy down in order to raise itself up and I don't think it raises itself up nearly enough to forgive it for, like, basically killing what could have been a great trilogy. So we're all in agreement that End Endgame's going Yeah, I agree with Endgame going up. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't think I could fight this. Now we're going through the, the uh, bracket into the second round. We're going to go through these just real quick. And if we have a uh, tie, 
we're gonna we're gonna debate it. So up up next we got Rain Man versus Independence Day. Ready? Three, two, one. Rain, Rain Man. Man. Independence, Independence Day. Day. I think as far as being a uh, crowd-pleasing blockbuster, Independence Day actually is that, and Rain Man is... I would definitely say Rain Man is the better movie. No hesitation behind that. As far as this list is concerned, I think Independence Day is more of what we're looking for, for something to move on here. Rain Man is a great example of people just telling other people that you need to see this movie because it's just a great movie, and I think that's why Rain Man needs to show move on because I think that's a greater example of telling people to watch great movies instead of watching superhero movies over and over again. We need movies like Rain Man to come back as highest grossing movies. But in terms of home televised ads, Independence Day was kind of the first ones. And you know what it fucking was? In a pre-9-11 society, it was the White House being blown up by aliens. That's (laughs) badass. And I would have gone and saw that movie no matter what. One one special effect over an Academy Award-winning can i finish my thought because i'm on your team you're fighting against yourself i would probably take rain man over independence day because in terms of scope and special effects and great trailers there are things that do that job better further down this list than independence day i agree with that i'll go with rain man we've got sorcerer's stone up against the dark knight ready three two one sorcerer's stone Stone. (laughs) the dark knight it's the dark knight it's not a bad movie by any means i do think that a lot of the love that it gets is a little little tiny bit overhyped and personally between both of these movies i would say harry potter's and harry potter and the sorcerer's stone means a lot more to I've me i've watched both of these a lot and i just i don't like sorcerer's stone after probably the 12th viewing of sorcerer's stone i just stopped liking but Alden, it do you think that a movie that you thought was worth watching a dozen times is bad not all of those are voluntary i had an art teacher in middle school who would play it during long class periods that's wild i like both of these movies a lot but i think i went with sorcerer's stone because i just feel like uh this is the clear-cut best harry potter movie to me just based on what jory said the world building i really like this harry potter movie based on the story alone i like the idea of the sorcerer's stone and um it just feels like the entire plot connects well with the trio and they're able to work together all three at the end in the uh, in a really cool climax. I mean, this was the movie I probably this was the Harry Potter movie I probably watched most as a child. I feel like this is the most children friendly Harry Potter movie. And when we're talking about highest grossing movie, we're not talking about just adults going to see this movie because I feel like a lot of adults saw Dark Knight more than kids. And I feel like Harry Potter just has that mass appeal. Like let's say like a very young child, like a toddler to see Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and to see the Dark Knight, they might not necessarily be taken with the Dark Knight. However, Sorcerer's Stone might capture their imagination for their entire life. And they might be a Harry Potter fan from that point onward, which is just amazing that for a simple single movie to do. The Dark Knight is a fantastic example of Batman, but I wouldn't say that it is definitive batman lore that's very true because if i were to read the harry potter book and i was like okay i need to make a movie of this just the first one just sorcerer's stone this movie's pretty damn close to what you could make with that source material whereas with batman you know at the point at which this movie came out 60 years of comic book lore hey you're making a batman movie 
you could go so many different directions with that. And while Dark Knight is very, very great, it is also very detached from what made it successful as an intellectual property. And a lot of its financial success probably has very little to do with its world building and very much to do with its quality of filmmaking. I think that the Dark Knight trilogy is a mixed bag for the most part, while all of them are good and some of them are great. I think that Harry Potter is just better as far as a franchise goes than that trilogy was. All right, well, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth, but Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone has dethroned the Dark Knight and is moving on to the next round. Yay. We did it. (laughs) Up next, we've got Terminator 2 Judgment Day versus Die Hard with a Vengeance. Three, two, one. Terminator 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 2. Was that unanimous? It's probably a better movie. It is. Oh, it's definitely a better movie. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 versus Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Three, two, one. Force Awakens. Yes, that's unanimous. All right. Force Awakens is moving on. Yeah, my favorite. Up next, we've got Aladdin versus Titanic. Oh, shit. I forgot I managed to do that. Yeah, both of our girlfriends weighed in and said Aladdin was better than Lion King. Three, two, one. Titanic. Titanic. Aladdin. I think so. I said Aladdin, but I was just hoping that somebody else would say it. But I, I kind of wanted to, but there's just there's no sense. There's a little sense in it, but as soon as an argument starts being made about like financial returns and how much both how important both are, I think Titan- again, I don't think financial returns are the only thing to do with this list. I think we're just looking at these as blockbusters. But I'm not here pulling out the numbers and fact checking you on how much it made opening weekend. I just think a movie that's not a superhero movie or a Disney movie would be nice to move on in the next round. We got Rain Man. Rain Man is a superhero movie, Nate. We said so. (laughs) Autism is a superpower. It is. Why do you think Captain Marvel was successful? (laughs) I think that the biggest argument that you can make for them was that Titanic was the number one. Uh, highest grossing movie of all time until James Cameron said another one and I think that we are several decades away from Titanic becoming antiquated and Aladdin getting more appreciation if that ever happens especially since the Aladdin remake kind of shot itself in the foot with the intellectual property yeah unfortunate I'm not saying it's good but it was better than I expected I did enjoy it Alden and I saw it together and it wasn't that bad Shout out to Will Smith for no. carrying that movie. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. All right. So Titanic's moving on. Up next, we got Return of the King versus Pirates at World's End. Three, two, one. Return, Return of, of the, the King. King. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Wait, did somebody else say at World's End? I I did. I'm with you. Yes, Alden. Alden and Josh versus Nate and Jory. The fuck. I think Alden and Josh should make their case first. Probably my favorite out of the five. Pirates movies? Easily? Can we just have Return of the King just, like, swing its Oscar? (laughs) So I know this is going to be a hard argument, but the thing that I will give At World's End over Return of the King is that I feel like the climax of At World's End is very much more significant than the climax of Return of the King, and let me explain for a second. Return of the King, you have that big battle, Legolas uh, fucking up the elephant, great stuff. Love that stuff. But I think what Pirates has is that Return of the King doesn't have. In Return of the King, they go at that gate, they're battling, but that battle's kind of meaningless because you know Frodo's going to throw the ring in the volcano. 
But in that world's end, when they're fighting in that fucking tsunami, and every character, you got Will and Elizabeth getting married with Barbosa proposing to them. You got the fucking uh, two uh, comedic relief pirates uh, with the other two comedic relief British guards where they're actually together and the monkey. Like, every single character has a, has a significance in that climax where Jack Sparrow is fighting Davy Jones. And then J- and then Davy Jones stabs Will Turner, and then the heart. All of that is so good, where it's like every character means something in that climax, and it does it so well. Where I'm usually a sucker for third movies in a trilogy because I feel like conclusions are just really satisfying to me. That's why Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith are my favorite Star Wars movies, and I think At World's End does that incredibly well. Where Return of the King doesn't have where I don't care about the final battle, the final battle, because all I care is about is Frodo throwing the ring into the volcano, which that is satisfying alone, but not all the characters are making a significant uh, part like it is in Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. The only part of at World's End I, I'm not a huge fan of is Calypso turning into a bunch of crabs. I mean, I mean that was her gimmick. Yeah, I mean. She got crabs, bro. <laughs> I I I'm not big into Lord of the Rings and I think that's part of part of the reason I'm fighting for At World's End. I I just I never grasped onto the series as well. What you're talking about with this satisfying conclusion and this is the end of an era and all of that uh King, Return of the King just does that so much better and i get what you're saying about the stakes and the climax i think that's extremely valid but the whole point of the lord of the rings movies is not about the small wars there's a reason a lot of the screen time is devoted to frodo and sam trying to dispose of the ring that that's the main focus it's just there's a lot of diversion there's a lot of sacrificing and battles and things to that's distract. my problem with the film it doesn't feel like the main focus when there's this giant battle going on and then they're all sitting around and it's like, well, we got to go help Frodo. And then it's just this like meaningless battle that we know is just bait. The battle isn't meaningless because without that battle and them deterring all of those troops from Sauron's army, they would be going after Frodo and Sam and, and Gollum and they would all perish. But that, but that battle doesn't feel significant to me because I know none of the main characters are dying in that battle. That battle just isn't important because we're focusing on Frodo and Sam. In the Pirates' final battle, in that tsunami, I don't know who's going to fucking die. Even Jack could die. Well, you want to know how I'm going to end your whole career? Return of the King is actually a conclusion. Got him. At World's End is not the end of a, is not the end of a saga. There's two sequels after it. Token does write a sequel, but he never finished it. It's not like that's like the bygone conclusion. But Josh, the sequel to Pirates is actually about Jack Sparrow. The Silmarillion was kind of just history and lore. Yeah, that's the same for Pirates. You could say that for any franchise that, like, Return of the Jedi is the perfect conclusion to, like, any fucking movie, but they continue it because money. Guess what? Return of the King is a better conclusion! I really disagree with that because they hinted at the end of Return of the King that Frodo's going on a different journey. No, he's going to the afterlife with the elves! I mean, maybe. No, that's what that is! Yes. That's not him going on another journey. They're not gonna cast Elijah Wood as a fucking hobbit again and make a set Wait, of what do you mean Wait, what do you mean an afterlife with the elves? Don't the elves live forever? That's the point why they leave. So it's not the afterlife. It is the afterlife. Bro, were you watching this trilogy? They bring it up in all three movies. <laughs> that was the whole thing with Eowyn. At World's End suffers because 
all these things you're saying about it being a great conclusion and these characters are doing this to get to here and i don't really know who's gonna die so, Nate, what happens in like 10 years from now when we're in our 30s and hollywood's run out of ideas and we get a sequel to return of the king because you know it's gonna fucking happen at one point but no it's not gonna happen it's not going to happen. There's no source material, and Peter Jackson won't allow it. If there was going to be a sequel to Return of the King, Amazon would be doing that instead of remaking the well, the Lord of the Rings. They said the same thing about every other franchise. Nope, just Star Wars. We'll see in 10 years, my dude. You mentioned for a second that like you didn't know what was going to happen. That's how I kind of felt watching all of the Pirates movies. I think that the story and the lore of the Pirates movies is such a mess, and that's coming from somebody who's defending Tolkien right now. You were like four years old, Jory. No, I wasn't four years old. When did that World's End come out? 2007. You were at least eight, maybe nine. I was eight years old. I was double that, Josh. Wow. All right. I don't know why I'm even... I'm debating this. We know Return of the King is moving on. Just say it, Nate. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hate to disrupt this amazing fight but return of the king is moving on it has an academy award this oscar bows to no man we're moving on to jurassic park versus shrek 2 ready three two one right, we shrek got frozen two. versus okay. avengers endgame ready three two one frozen endgame thanos i also vote thanos uh, we had one for thanos one for thanos car one for avengers endgame and one for frozen so uh alden it's your debate uh avengers endgame versus frozen so wait a minute wait a minute are we actually gonna pretend like we didn't just get three votes for endgame <laughs> i just wanted to hear alden defending avengers endgame against me attacking with frozen i thought that would be an interesting thing i kind of do want to listen to this josh i'll start with Disney princess versus highest grossing franchise of all time. Everything I've heard about Frozen 2 is good. People say they like it better, except for apparently one person, which is fine. I could have Alyssa also say that Frozen 2 isn't as good as Frozen 1, and she really liked Frozen. She's right here. Alyssa. Well, she's not here, is she? Alyssa, what did you think of Frozen 2? It was not great. But Coco was. But Coco is number one. Endgame is leagues better than Infinity War. Apparently Frozen 2, from most of the people I've talked to, is better than Frozen. Frozen is the lesser of its two movies, whereas Endgame is the better of its two movies. I think Avengers Endgame has a lot of big moments. Uh, the, the moment where Captain America picks up Thor's hammer is really badass. I mean, it's it's a great fan service moment. And I think this this movie is fan service the movie. But if we're talking about a financial uh, game changer, Avengers Endgame had uh, 20 movies leading up to it. So there was constantly an audience for somewhere. Like, oh, I really like Captain America, but I don't care about Iron Man. Vice versa, they're going to go see this movie. But with Frozen, a great adaptation from a forgotten fairy tale. And then they just took it to new levels, gave it good stakes, gave it good moral questions for young men and women alike to really debate with in their heads. And honestly, I think Frozen is a testament to Disney playing its its best strengths. I would disagree. I think everything that's interesting about Endgame is only interesting because of Infinity War. If they just write original movies, they still have the opportunity to make a lot of money. And, you know, Frozen's the last Disney princess disney animated movie that i've given a shit about it's pretty good i think that's a very valid point nate to not have at least endgame in the next round i feel like it's just 
just doesn't feel right when it comes to when we're talking about blockbuster movies in this era. It just it seems like Frozen success was mainly the soundtrack. Between what Nate was saying about Frozen is very valid, especially what he was saying about Disney writing and making original movies in this era. And I think that I think that the other original movies that Disney has made in this era are better than Frozen. I think Tangled is better than Frozen. I think Moana is way better than Frozen. I like I like Tangled. I like Tangled a lot more. All right, sounds like Avengers Endgame's moving on. Good fight, Alden. Semifinals. This is the Elite Eight of the highest grossing movies of each year from the past 32 years. Did we finally make it in the second round? Because I'm like six or seven White Claws in. Yeah, I think you should switch to water. We're through the second round. We're actually going third. Oh, shit. So we got Rain Man up against Sorcerer's Stone. Three, two, one. Sorcerer's Sorcerer's Stone. Stone. Rain Man. All right, sounds like another three to one. I didn't win the last three to one, so we'll just do Sorcerer's Stone. But Rain Man, I'm proud of you. You made it a lot farther than I thought you were going to. Rain Man's a great film. Terminator 2 versus Force Awakens. Three, two, one. Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Terminator 2. What was that? Uh, We had one for Terminator 2 and three for Force Awakens. Give Terminator 2 a shot. Disney buying out Lucasfilm was a bold choice. And I think that if they were going to make such a bold choice, they should have had a better script. There wasn't really much of a creative push behind this new trilogy or picking up where episode six leaves off. It was all about just making a cash printing machine. And while that's fine, in this round, they're going up against the king of cash printing machines in cinema, James Cameron, and his first movie to really bring home bank was terminator 2 and honestly i think terminator 2 is a better crowd-pleasing film it's got some heartfelt moments it's got great characterization it's got some incredible action sequences both for the time and for now they still age extremely well force awakens is perhaps the higher budget greater scope star wars movie that we wanted to see in theaters in our generation But outside of our generation, I don't think this is even close. I think people that grew up with the original Star Wars would pick Terminator 2 in this round. It's a panel full of guys in their mid-20s, so I don't give a shit about that point. But We're not in our mid-20s. Early 20s. Josh, you don't even have to say it. You can just say, okay, Boomer, (laughs) to Nate's whole argument. No, let me make a point here. I really like Terminator 2, but the thing I would give Force Awakens, you brought up crowd-pleasing. When when I think of crowd pleasing, I literally think of Force Awakens. I don't think there was a film in our generation that has been more crowd pleasing. Endgame? No, I don't think Endgame was more crowd pleasing. Jory just said he didn't like the movie and said that Endgame was still an epic conclusion and still said it had epic moments. That's way more crowd pleasing than clapping when the Millennium Falcon shows up. I grew up in a small town and our local theater was filled to the fucking end. I feel like that has to be significant where... Here's the thing, though, Josh. Here's the thing. I'm still talking. So, Force Awakens. Trying to say that Force Awakens was the most crowd-pleasing movie ever, and I knew people who hated Force Awakens when it came out. Yeah, me too. Great, great. Star Wars fans hate Star Wars. We know this. But let me talk about Force Awakens for a second. But how can you call it crowd-pleasing, then? Because Star Wars fans are fucking idiots. Yeah, we all watched our fan-favorite character, Han Solo, get stabbed in the chest by a character that was just introduced. Wow, a Star Wars character dies. Wow, it's great. 
Iron Man wasn't a popular character at all. I'm glad he fucking died. I am glad he did. I am glad that Iron Man died. Force Awakens, I feel like, where it was a rejuvenate of Star Wars after you had all the bland dialogue, all the Clone Wars, all the Star Wars that you guys on this panel complained about, you finally got Force Awakens. You finally got a crowd-pleasing movie where you had interesting characters. Yeah, it might have not paid off in sequels that you didn't really like, but we're not talking about that right now because Force Awakens brought up, no pun intended, it brought up a new hope in Star Wars where it was like, okay, maybe this is a fresh start, and I think that excited people. And I think that's why the movie made a billion dollars. That's why this movie is on this bracket. Josh, I like Force Awakens. I also like Force Awakens. This isn't being debated. I like Force Awakens a lot. It's one of my favorite Star Wars movies. But I feel like calling it crowd-pleasing is a bit of a jump. I feel like even Force Awakens was controversial when it came out. I fully agree with that. I don't think it was that crowd-pleasing. However, I think in terms of cultural impact... What do you mean it wasn't crowd-pleasing? It was literally fan service the movie. It was a carbon copy of A New Hope. It was supposed to be a crowd-pleasing movie. And that's why people didn't like it. I went through a self-checkout at a Kroger, and a dude saw me wearing a Star Wars shirt. I don't know what you're fucking talking about right now, Alden. <laughs> Hang on, I want to hear what Alden has to say. I was wearing a Star Wars shirt. It just said Star Wars, nothing else on it. And this dude just walks up to me and has a 15-minute conversation about the new movie and how he was upset about so many different things. I don't care about what a fucking random dude thinks of Star Wars. All right, I don't care about your random small town filling out a single theater. I'm talking about a better movie here. All three theaters near me were sold out for a week because of this movie. Your small town selling out is not that big a deal. I went to I went to see Force Awakens for the, like the third time on like December 20 whatever 2 weeks after it it came out at a 10 a.m. showing it was fucking sold out. Don't tell me this isn't a crowd pleasing movie cuz obviously people were seeing it again and again and again and again and again. Josh, people were seeing all of these movies. One thing that I think's really cool about Terminator 2 is yeah because everybody was seeing rain man 50 fucking times they did it's on this list it was the highest grossing movie that year it was 1980 whatever <laughs> one thing that i think is really cool about terminator 2 is james cameron looked back on his on his catalog of films and realized that terminator was doing really well in vhs sales and arnold schwarzenegger was still a great huge star so he was like hang on let me print money real quick he wrote up a script for terminator 2 and honestly, I don't know a single person who doesn't like Terminator 2 more than the original, or at least doesn't think it's me. I like Terminator more than Terminator 2. Okay, Over here. Can I finish my sentence? Josh, please. Or at least appreciates Terminator 2 for doing something different than Terminator 1. So often, especially back then with sequels, it was just a derivative of the original. And the the entire concept is, in, is totally different and elevated to a bigger and better way. And I guess you could make that same case from Return of the Jedi to Force Awakens. But is it really better? It might be bigger, but nothing's better. Well, Nate, uh, you say that because Terminator 2 would be like, oh, it's the Empire Strikes Back of Terminator, huh? Did I say that? No, I'm saying that because, like, that's what everybody compares a sequel to a movie to. Oh, it's the Empire Strikes Back of this movie. Why do they say that? Because Empire Strikes Back is the definitive, like, 
oh, that sequel's better than the original. Oh, I forgot I was debating against episode five. I thought I was talking against episode seven. No, but I'm saying that because it all goes back to Star Wars. When you're talking about crowd-pleasing, which was the original point that somebody made in this, I think that Force Awakens is just a lot more crowd-pleasing. I think that Terminator 2 has a far greater percentage of people who have seen it and enjoyed it than Force Did you Awakens have a head does. count before this panel, Jory? I believe that Force Awakens was a much bigger release at the time. And maybe I am just saying that because I actually lived through the opening of Force Awakens. But Force Awakens also carried, like, even though people didn't really like it as much as the other ones, the releases of Rogue One and The Last Jedi were also bolstered by the success of Force Awakens. If it was that bad, we would have seen what happened with The Last Jedi, where Star Wars as a brand was just dead in the water after it. It wasn't even dead. I mean, Rise of Skywalker still made a lot of money. And you know why? Because Force Awakens. Might have been because of... It came from the same director as Force Awakens. A lot of people were excited that J.J. Abrams was coming back to the franchise. I run a Star Wars fan page, Nate. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I wrote a Terminator script, and I know what I'm talking about. Wait, are we talking about The Last Jedi or Force Awakens? The Last Jedi. No, we're talking about Force Awakens. I don't know what we're talking about. What's fucking moving on, Nate? It was a three-to-one vote, and I guess Force Awakens wins, but I definitely had the better argument for Terminator 2. I definitely think that Nate had the better argument, but I'm still on uh, Force Awakens' side here. So Force Awakens is moving on over Terminator 2. We've got Titanic up against Return of the King. Ready? Three, two, one. Return of the King. Return, Return of, the King. of the King. It sounds like everyone's on board for Return of the King taking over Titanic. I completely forgot when I was talking about uh, in defense of uh, Force Awakens that my main argument was going to be that everything for Terminator 2, except for the action sequences, I would say are done better in Titanic. <laughs> I agree. We got Shrek 2 versus Avengers Endgame. Ready? Three, two, one. Shrek 2. Shrek 2. Shrek 2. Shrek 2. Four Shrek 2s? Yep. <laughs> I think it was. Oh, boy. Uh, can I take a piss really quick? Yes, please do. Mom, do you think uh, Return of the King is better than Shrek 2? That does not sound like a water bottle opening, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> My mom said yes because she preferred Shrek 1 to Shrek 2. Dude, your mom is spitting facts. We need to bring her on the next episode. <laughs> so we're in the final four. The top four highest grossing movies of the past 32 years are Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Star Wars Episode Seven: Force Awakens, uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, and Shrek 2. I guess this replaces the fantasy bracket that we should have done. <laughs> sort of. So we've got Sorcerer's Stone versus Force Awakens on the left side of the bracket. I just want everyone to take turns making a clean debate. So here's what we're going to do. Alden, you're going to go first. Jory, you're going to go second. Mace, you'll go third. And I'll go last. Take both sides of the argument into uh, consideration. Alden, you have the floor. To me, personally, Force Awakens is just a, a better movie. I think in terms of the franchises, Sorcerer's Stone clearly has the bigger impact. I think culturally, Force Awakens has the bigger impact. But I watched Force Awakens yesterday. I still love it. It's one of my favorite Star Wars movies. 
All right. As far as cultural impact and impact within their own franchise, I think it's impossible to say that Sorcerer's Stone doesn't have that in spades more than uh, Force Awakens does. While Force Awakens was a revival for the Star Wars franchise and moving past Return of the Jedi, I don't think that anything that that does can be can be said to be greater than the beginning of a franchise. And like we talked about earlier in the list, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came out when the books were at around Goblet of Fire. Because of the success of this movie and the sequels that it spawned and the whole franchise, we saw it grow to the mammoth proportion of fandom that not a lot of other properties can boast. Star Wars certainly can boast that, but I don't think that it can boast it due to the sequels trilogy. I feel like it's really hard to say that most of the Star Wars fandom is a fan of the sequel trilogy. I feel like the main cast of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, even in that movie, has a lot more going on than the cast of Force Awakens. I think that Sorcerer's Stone is a much better movie than Force Awakens, and I think that as far as what makes a highest grossing uh, movie, I think that Sorcerer's Stone is a lot more respectable and is a lot more what I want to see when I see movies like this and not more uh, Force Awakens, not more reboots. I want to see new original stories, even if they're not completely original and they're based on books. I want to see new stories in the theater. I was going to go with Force Awakens, but um, I think Jory kind of persuaded me on this one. It's just poor judgment and poor script writing where I think I have to give it to Sorcerer's Stone on this one. I wholeheartedly agree. I think Sorcerer's Stone is the safer pick here. And although it didn't make the same amount of money, might not be the same level of highest grossing, I think it's just a testament to the writing and the world building. This movie for mostly millennials, and I think it's even touched down to Zoomers as well, is extremely relevant because a lot of the people who grew up watching these movies were around the same age, or at least were able to look up to these main characters who grew in between movies and uh, aged as actors as well as as characters. I, I really think that there's nothing more magical, like Jory said earlier, in cinema than the Sorcerer's Stone. Wow. I'm not even a Potterhead. <laughs> Hell yes. Anyway, on the right side of the bracket now, we've got Return King versus Shrek 2. I'm going with Return of the King here, but it's not a diss towards Shrek in any capacity. I made a pretty strong case, if I do say so myself, earlier for Frozen, a movie I don't really care about. But I think Shrek 2 is one of those movies that has had such a lasting impact on the film industry because every year we get like eight or nine or sometimes even more CG animated movies and if it weren't for Shrek 2 being the highest grossing movie of its year and being one of the highest grossing movies of all time, I think we wouldn't have that trend. All that being said, we're talking about the best movie here. And Shrek 2 is a good little comedy. It's one you can watch with just about anyone. But Return of the King is a great conclusion to a great trilogy. It has a lot of very satisfying payoffs. And while the ending sort of drags, at least you get to know what every character is doing when they're not fighting war. A great testament to world building. And honestly, a more accessible version of J.R.R. Tolkien's amazing story told in a way where anyone can just turn off their brain, watch a movie for three hours, and feel this sense of resolution and feel the end of this great epic. I think both of these movies are great sequels to its franchises. 
But you think Shrek 2 is better? I think Shrek 2 is a really good sequel to its original. I think it... I'm a sucker for third movies in the trilogy. Like, I love Return of the Jedi. I love Revenge of the Sith. I love Iron Man 3. I love uh, Last Crusade. At World's End. At World's End. And I think I got to... I gotta say the same for Return of the King. It's not my personal favorite Lord of the Rings movie, but I think it's the best Lord of the Rings movie on this bracket. I think Return of the King just... It was nominated for 12 Oscars for a reason. I think it's because it's one of the greatest fantasy movies ever made. I think it's such a great conclusion. While I definitely think between these two movies, Shrek 2 is the more fun of the two, but I believe I stated before in this list that I do prefer Shrek 1 to Shrek 2. I have to give it to Return of the King here for all of the reasons previously stated. It definitely deserved to win Best Picture. I do think that it would be more interesting to stack up, say, Fellowship of the Ring against Shrek 2, just because I feel like there would be a little more common ground because that movie has a little more fun and games in it than Return of the King does. Uh, all in all, I still have to give it to Return of the King here. I feel like it's not even an argument. Shrek 2 also had a nomination at the Academy. Return of the King, though, had 12 nominations, which wasn't it a record at the time? Yeah, yeah, whatever doesn't even matter doesn't even matter return of the king won best picture but did it get nominated for best original song actually i think it did i think enya's i think enya's song did did shrek 2 get nominated for best original song yeah accidentally in love yeah by the counting crows that's original my biggest argument for this is there is no song cover better than fairy godmother singing holding out for a hero i i'd argue like that that scene is a yo but what's a bigger yo is when Aragorn uh, summons all the ghosts at the climax of uh, Return of the King. I think that whole thing when they're coming off of the ship, like that whole that whole sequence is just a yo. Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. You have a giant gingerbread man. They went and baked this giant cookie to have a siege on a castle just to save Fiona. What about the yo that comes when... Uh... Gollum jumps onto Frodo and bites his finger off to get the ring while he's invisible. I feel like that's a bigger yo. All right, if if you want if you want to talk about that, what about Puss in Boots latching onto Shrek's leg? Puss in Boots is a great addition to the cast. Yeah, he is. I think I think most of the new characters in this were amazing additions, whether they died in this movie or not. It's just you have the three from the first movie, and they're incredible. And then you add Puss in Boots. Prince Charming is the most annoying character. You have Fiona's parents, even though her dad just croaks. Pun intended. Doesn't he die in the third one? Yes. With Live and Let Die playing. But the, the short sequence on their trip to Far, Far Away is hilarious, and it's been memed up. Yeah, where Mary sings that song while what's his name like slops slobs all over that uh, turkey leg. I think if Mary was singing, holding out for a hero. <laughs> Could you imagine? We find peak cinema. Every argument that can be made about for Return of the King, I can kind of like find a similarity in Shrek too, even though it's a completely different genre for a completely different. The movie that. Lord of the Rings just dethroned was the third movie in the Pirates franchise. And I think that Pirates and Shrek are very, very in common. 
the first Shrek movie was just I, kind of like... I disagree. No, hear me out. Shrek the third is not, not as good as Our World's End. Our World's End is miles ahead of Shrek. That's not what I'm trying to get to, Josh. He's not... He's not saying that he's not saying that they're parallel. He's saying that they're similar. The the first Shrek movie was a standalone, you know, let's kind of we're DreamWorks. We're kind of a little edgier. We're gonna poke fun at a lot of Disney tropes. And our our main character isn't the Prince Charming. It's an ogre. It's a great adaptation of a kid's book. It's awesome. It's its own standalone thing. And then the the studio was like, holy cow, we just made a lot of money. Now's our time to up our ante. And I think that Shrek 2 is a better up the ante, introduce new characters, build a better lore, build a better world than Dead Man's Chest. Hands down. I agree with everything that you're saying, Alden, but I really just don't think ups that ante enough to the point in which I'd be willing to say Shrek in general over Lord of the Rings in general. Maybe that's true, but I feel like without any meme potential, I feel like Shrek 2 was not what I remember it to be. Satisfying as Return of the King is just when it comes to all the characters coming together in a very cool climax. Like you have the gingerbread man in Trek 2. Like I get that. Like that's a lot of fun. But Return of the King just like... I mean, all of them do come together at the end for the climax. You have Shrek having a siege on this castle with almost the entire ensemble to save Fiona from Prince Charming and Fairy Godmother. I don't super like the trope of Shrek turning into a human. I feel like it counteracts a lot of the, and they're a little bit self-aware of that, but not enough until the point in which Shrek seems like a confident enough guy in himself where I think it's insulting as a man where he's going to change back into a man just because he thinks that's what his wife wants. Shrek's smarter than that and he believes in himself a whole lot more. Yeah, it also undermines the entire message of the original Shrek. I, I appreciate your case, Alden, and I agree with everything you said, but it sounds like it's a three-to-one. Return of the King is taking it. So here we are, finals, for the best, highest-grossing movie of the last 32 years. Honestly, guys, my expectations considered them subverted. I did not think it was going to get down to these two movies. You didn't think Return of the, you didn't think Return of the King was making this to the finals? Because that's what I thought. I thought it had a good chance at Final Four. Didn't know what it would be going up against. I'm glad it's there. Up against Sorcerer's Stone. Here we are. The breadwinners. The two big, best, highest grossing movies of the last 32 years. I think I'm on Team Sorcerer's Stone. I am also on Team Sorcerer's Stone. I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to interrupt this, but Grace, my sister Grace just texted me. Monsters, Inc. would be my number one. Ratatouille, number two. Toy Story 2, number three. I don't know why you guys don't like Coco. She just subscribed <laughs> to me. Coco is just a Zoomer pick that you guys are too boomer to understand. I don't really have a big case to make for Sorcerer's Stone at the moment because I believe that we've said a lot about both of these movies. But I think that the biggest thing I have to say about it versus Return of the King... Return of the King is not my favorite lord of the rings movie that's not saying that it's not fantastic and i don't believe that it should be every step of the way where it is right now that if we were having a conversation about sorcerer's stone versus fellowship of the ring i think that i might sway a little differently and maybe that's because i prefer beginnings versus endings but as far as world building and return of the king everything has kind of been established 
but I really just enjoy the magic of Harry Potter and still being amazed by that whole world and being brought into it for the very first time. That That's fair. But here's the kind of the point I'm getting at. Sorcerer's Stone, you know, it wraps up at the end of the school year. It kind of ends in a bow. There's not really a cliffhanger. And with all of the movies leading up to Return of the King, I wouldn't call them satisfying endings. Don't think anyone's like life is in immediate danger. They were smarter to the end the movies than on a direct cliffhanger. Neither Fellowship nor Two Towers is like, oh, well, I don't need to see the next one. But I do think that Return of the King is a better movie just as its own than Sorcerer's Stone. I think that Sorcerer's Stone progresses into a better franchise and there's better things after it. But neither one of these are my favorites in their respective franchise. I disagree that Sorcerer's Stone uh, doesn't leave you on a cliffhanger. You still have the ongoing threat. Wait, wait, wait. Voldemort. Josh, Josh, real quick. Just because I'm also on Team Sorcerer's Stone and I don't want to see you real quick ram our argument into a, into a cliffside. I think that Sorcerer's Stone is a better standalone movie than Return of the King. But Return of the King, you turn it on you're going to be completely lost if you try to watch that as a standalone movie. That's true. But Sorcerer's Stone works as a beginning-to-end narrative a lot better. I want to see where Harry, Ron, and Hermione go after this. I want to see how their characters progress. I feel like Sorcerer's Stone really does well. It lays the foundation of a franchise. And isn't that what a blockbuster is supposed to do? It's supposed to make a lot of money and start a franchise? Sorcerer's Stone is a very good beginning of a franchise, and Return of the King in its own way is still a very, very good ending. I don't have much of an argument left for Force Awakens. You've heard most of my... Wait, what? Wait, this is Sorcerer's Stone and Return of the King. Oh, yeah, I haven't been paying attention then. No, I'm going to have to say Sorcerer's Stone. Like, just completely doesn't sound like the case is for the movie itself. It sounds like it's more of a case for the characters and the universe. I think Sorcerer's Stones sets up great characters throughout the whole film. I think when you're introduced to Harry, Ron, Hermione, you care about what happens to those characters by the climax of the film when, they are, when they're going through the, the entire climax of the film and then when Harry reaches the end and sees uh, Voldemort in the back of that guy's head in the mirror i think what nate is trying to say is that our argument is becoming misconstrued as we are in support of sorcerer's stone as kicking off the greater wizarding world however whenever i'm talking about sorcerer's stone i only mean the wizarding world as we see in sorcerer's stone i'm only talking about diagon alley i'm only talking about wands i'm only talking about what we see of hogwarts there I'm only talking about the train. I'm only talking about platform nine and three quarters. I'm only talking about chocolate frogs. It's all so... It's all there. I don't I don't understand the argument when we see better things in the later films. I feel like a lot of it starts in Sorcerer's Stone. Like when I'm... Once again, I bring up when I was at Universal Studios at Diagon Alley, a lot of the things I was thinking of was from Sorcerer's Stone. I feel like fantastic introduction because there's a lot of iconic things in that film that you think of and that's reintroduced throughout the rest of the movie. Like in, um, was it Deathly Hallows or Half-Blood Prince when the, um, was it the Death Eaters who came in and kind of fucked up Diagon Alley? Yeah, they robbed Gringotts and then went into 
Yeah. I don't know. I've only seen Sorcerer's Stone. But when I thought of that, I was like, oh shit, like I think of memories from Sorcerer's Stone. But that that goes into what Nate was saying. He was saying that the groundwork that Sorcerer's Stone Yeah, I guess the my problem with this is just that SeaWorld in Orlando hasn't built a Middle Earth park yet, so I guess I can't be truly immersed into the the world that Return of the King has for me. Therefore, I guess because we're all shills and love Universal. I think Diagon Alley, good job. I mean, it's not that I'm a shill. Like, I've ha- <laughs> I haven't even read the fucking books. Can you really call me a shill? I don't think yeah. you've read any of the ten books that are in discussion for this top for these top two movies. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna extend this to the books. Why? <laughs> Let's not do that. I no, I would this is how I'm going to fight for Return of the King. He set up so much that extends beyond the, the movie. Whereas Rowling did as well, but not nearly as much. The focus was definitely telling the whole plot, telling the whole story of Lord of the Rings, of the disposal of the ring and the journey and the wars that were fought to get it to where it needed to go. That was pretty much the movie. They do cut out a lot of characterization, but they also fix a lot of characters. And that was something that I thought was interesting, especially female characters. They really, the few that there are, they give more of a motivation to, they they really make them feel 21st century. I feel like for, for Jory and myself, this was kind of our generation Star Wars, where we were looking forward to the sequel of each film every time. And I think the first Harry Potter was kind of our our generation's A New Hope, where we were able to have like a hero's journey type story and follow that through a lot of the years through our preschool and middle school lives and i think it's a very significant part of this generation all right well it sounds like it's the three to one wait did alden vote for social stone i i was for it but i kind of i swayed myself toward return of the king so it wasn't my compelling argument at all all right so do i want to should I ask Alyssa? I think between these two movies, Sorcerer's Stone is just one you can bring them to the whole family. I mean, I remember going through Blockbuster as a, as a kid. Any movie that you would see in rent from like the family section of those, of those video rental stores, it would just say like, oh, it's one part Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone mix this. Like there was definitely a whole trend that ignited from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And I can't really say the same for Lord of the Rings. It was a great moment in film history, and I'm glad that it happened. But it wasn't the start of something new. It wasn't a new trend. I mean, how many god-awful film series did we get that were book adaptations? Well, there's like The Hunger Games, Twilight, all of that. Percy Jackson. Well, that didn't go anywhere, but... Yes, so many bad series were started because Harry Potter was so good. And if, you know, if it wins this because of that, then, you know, I, I can live, I can sleep at night. This isn't like a Toy Story movie making the top 10. Yeah, it sounds like you got a lot of people in your comments for that video uh, helping you towards Toy Story. We're actually helping out Nate in this. We're making him look like the good guy and we're uh, attracting controversy. Well, because I was in the right. The highest, gro- the best highest grossing movie of the last 32 years, Harry Potter and the Source of Stone. Woo. Yay. Shrek 2. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for watching our video. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, is there a movie on this list that you think should have made it further? Are you with Team Alden and think that Shrek 2 should have won it all? 
I don't blame you if you are, but leave a comment down below and let us know what you think. Uh, it sounds like people want a podcast, so I ain't saying, I'm not calling it a podcast, but there may be a podcast. The uncut version, the road cut. I gotta stop drinking if we if this is a podcast. Actually, no, Josh, please start drinking water. Yeah, you haven't switched to water yet. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Duel of the Takes podcast. Next week's topic of discussion will be in the ranking style challenge. All of the Harry Potter movies ranked from worst to best. If you want to check out our YouTube video on today's episode, be sure to subscribe to Nathaniel R. Martin. And as always, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.